Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Panasonic Lumix Cameras, where form meets function. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks. They're the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. This episode of TWIP is made possible in part by our newest sponsor, Animoto. You can head over to animoto.com TWIP and use the offer code TWIP to get 15% off an Animoto Pro account. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Panasonic Lumix Cameras and the new Lumix FZ1000 4K long zoom digital camera. Now this bridge camera is a powerhouse for shooting 4K hybrid photography. You know, hybrid is when you mix stills and video. And this camera shoots at 4K in 30p. You can then, once you shoot that footage, you can later extract 8 megapixel stills from the 4K footage. It's just crazy. And it features a large 1 inch 20.1 megapixel sensor. And it's got a bright Leica 25 to 400 f2.8 to 4.0 fixed lens. Let me say that again. That's a 25 millimeter to 400 millimeter at f2.8 to 4.0 lens. And it's a Leica lens, so it's super bright. Um, and it focuses fast with the Lumix depth through defocusing technology. So you get the long lens, long fast lens, and super fast focusing in this thing in one solid compact body. And if you add to all that the fact that this thing has a smartphone Wi-Fi app for remote control, if you got one kind of super package in one little package that you put in your bag, and you know this that that lens just blows me away at twenty five to four hundred. It's just uh, it's a long you know what they call a super zoom. Plus, it does all of that stuff in four K. That means you can shoot everything from portraits to photographing lions in Africa from a safe distance and still get amazingly cool and sharp images, um, still images and video in 4K. Now you can learn all about this camera over on our All About the Gear show. Just enter FZ1000 in the search box on thisweekinphoto.com or you can head over to shop.panasonic.com or lumixlounge.com. Remember, Panasonic Lumix cameras where form meets function. And we'd like to thank Panasonic for their support of This Week in Photo. This week on TWIP, TWIP guest Joe Giordano is abused by Baltimore police while covering the protests and riots. Also, is the Apple Watch a photographer's best friend? Photo Focus's Doug Dalton thinks so. It's Monday, May 4th, 2015, and this is TWIP. All right, folks, welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. This is an interesting show that we're going to be diving into this week. Um, I think this this show that we're doing today represents one of the reasons why we do This Week in Photo, so that we can bring issues that affect photographers to the forefront and then talk about them in the roundtable environment with smart people. This week, we're lucky enough 
to be talking about the news and to have one of the people that was kind of part of the news as well as in the fray. So before I get into that, let me introduce our, our lineup. First up, the guy behind the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. I wonder who what his name could be. Martin Bailey. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh-oh, yep. Uh, I was listening. I was watching the video on the YouTube stream and recording at the same time. I, that's a rookie <laughs> mistake. Rookie mistake. Uh, so welcome, Martin. It's good to have you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, good. Always. Also coming up on the show, Mr. Jeffrey Totaro, our resident architectural photographer. Hey, Jeffrey, how's it going? Uh, doing all right, Frederick. How are you? Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, yeah, it's always good to have you as well. And last but not least, the guy I alluded to in that short little intro there, Mr. Joe Giordano. He's uh, a Baltimore photojournalist who, jeez, uh, I, I don't even know how to how to position this. That video, Joe, that you sent me uh, that I saw of you just getting like like destroyed by a group of other humans was I mean that was that was disconcerting to say the least on a number of levels for me. But when right. I saw that, I mean, because you know, I know you, you've been on Twip, we're friends, and then to see you in that situation was disturbing. Then the other level was this whole Freddie Gray thing, which has the whole nation and the world looking at us like we're crazy. And then the other thing is, you know, on the photographer standpoint of you're out there, a photojournalist trying to photojourn out there in Baltimore and getting stopped. So I wanted to invite you on the show and I wanted us all to talk about this to kind of get a better understanding of this video. Well, first of all, we're, if you haven't, Twip Army, if you haven't seen this video, go to thisweekinphoto.com and look at episode 411 and we'll embed the video for uh, the video that we're talking about that shows Joe getting beat up, essentially, by police. So, And that's what we're going to be talking about. So, Joe, welcome, first of all. Welcome back to the show. So, And thanks for doing this. I know you've got to be you know, on fire. I think I've seen mentions of Huffington Post and NBC and all this other stuff. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, it made the rounds. And the, the publication I work for, the Baltimore City Paper, um, we only have one photographer. That's me and like one freelance. So as opposed to the, the other local paper, the Baltimore Sun, which has about 10 photographers and 60 journalists. So it's myself and, and, maybe, and maybe four writers covering the entire Freddie Gray uh, incident, protests, marches, uh, looting, all that. So it's been it's been about eighteen hour days for about two weeks. So let's let's start from the beginning. For the folks that that I mean, I'm sure most people on the planet have heard about what's going on. But for those that don't have context into what happened, set the stage for us. What what happened with Freddie Gray, and okay. why is why is Baltimore uh, in in duress right now? Okay. So Freddie Gray is a resident of the uh, of Gilmore Homes in the. Uh, kind of impoverished uh, Sandtown, Winchester area of the city, um, right off of North Avenue. And on, I believe it was April, maybe April 10th, I don't know the, I don't know the exact date of his arrest, but he, uh, he got eyeballed by a couple of cops and took off. They, uh, they, they made, uh, made, gave chase, jumped on him. Uh, there's a video of this. A guy actually made a video. He, he got it. And if you Google it, it'll, it should come right up. Um, yeah, we'll find that too. Yeah. Yeah, so the cops uh, put him in the paddy wagon. By August or by April 19th, he was dead. He was in a coma, with a, a broken spine, a sever a severed spine, eight vertebrae broken in his back, 
the uh, the Emmy it said was consistent with a uh, with a uh, car accident. He was unarmed. He didn't do anything, literally anything, but run from police. He he didn't have anything on him, um, and he ended up dead nine days, about nine days after he was arrested um, from injuries he sustained while in police custody on a four block trip with, in the paddy wagon. Yeah, um, that, that's. I mean, there's a lot more to it. I'm just summing it up for the for. I mean, for so the, so just. I mean, obviously, neither one of us, neither one of us was there. But in that paddy wagon, so in the news that I read, there were six officers involved. So they 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 caught him. They put him in the paddy wagon, presumably handcuffed or whatever. And then the five officers got in the back, and one was driving, and they just went to town on him. Is that is no? That... They, there was there was nobody there was nobody in the back other than another another guy they picked up for a minor charge. That that, that 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 was the mysteriousness of it up until a couple of days ago when when they when the state's attorney's office finally announced charges was that he was in the back of the of the of the paddy wagon there was no other cops back there with him and he he just magically had his spine severed somewhere along that trip and you know this this, this is essentially a case of you know being arrested for being black I mean he he all he did every news report including Fox News I mean which as all he did was run from the cops, which is not illegal. Right. Um, locked him up, put him in the paddy wagon. By the time he got out of the paddy wagon, he had his spine severed. And if you watch horror film and that, it's hard to sever a spine, you know. Right. Um, yeah, they're they're designed the to last a lifetime, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, he 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 died on April nineteenth. The protest started around the twenty first, about a day and a half later. Um, I've been with the protests. I was with the protests from day one, where they escalated into. My incident, and then Camden Yards, which really blew it up into riots throughout the city. And then on Monday, after the Camden Yards incident, uh, it, it looked like L.A. and Rodney King. I mean, there were cars being burned up at intersections and stuff yeah, like so. that. I mean, it, it was it really it really got out of control, uh, out of control. So, so when the charges were filed, what came to light? You know, where um, how, nothing, how nothing right now. Cover? They the charges were uh, murder, manslaughter. Second degree assault, and and one like uh, one it was like death by heart stoppage or something. But I think what people worry about here in in the black community, see just just quickly, my our paper, the city paper, we're like the village voice of the city. So we're we're the free alternative weekly. Okay. So we work closer with the community than the other media outlets do. So we were more trusted. We haven't knock on wood had any incidents. With the community, we're actually welcomed in there because of our reputation with, you know, doing things on education, water, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what what we've gauged from the from the, the community here is that these guys are going to get off. I mean, that's what happened with Rodney King. You know, they were they were indicted, but they all got they were all found not guilty, and then they burned L.A. to the ground. Right. Um, right. So we, we we may not have seen the the, the end of these uh, riots and protests. Yeah, and these and the just just to underscore that. So there were, like you said, there was rides, widespread rioting throughout the city. People burning police cars and, you know, stealing from retail outlets and just destroying stuff, right? But then right. there was also uh, peaceful protests as well. Oh right? yeah, I mean, it, it was a majority peaceful protest. I mean, unfortunately, the 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 big violent incidences were so violent that they kind of took over the narrative. Right. Um, and the Gray family. Um, to their credit, has not endorsed any of this looting, any of this rioting. They they they've been calling for peace since day one. Yeah. Um, they really wanted people to march in Freddie's name in peace, but you know these people people are tired of this kind of stuff, you know, and it, it got out of control. 
Yeah, it's it's frightening. I mean, being a black male in the United States, it's scary for me. Seriously, because when stuff like this happens, you know, you're it, it's hard to it's hard to put into words the this sort of paranoia that you feel. Because you know I mean, as a as an African American black man walking around, normally you, you always generally walk around with a certain level of like kind of paranoia around you, but right. not, you know, it, it's, you know, depending on who you are, it could either be paralyzing or not, right? But, right. you know, but when stuff like this happens and rises it to the surface, you know, like the whole hoodie incident and, you know, each one of these incidences just makes right. you like, should I even go outside? Maybe I'll just stay yeah. inside today and live to, I mean, live this, to see and another day. You know? And with this case especially, I mean, there was no weapon involved on the police side or Freddie's side. Yeah. So he didn't reach for a gun. He didn't lunge for the officer. He didn't put. He just ran, and they tackled him, handcuffed him, put him in the truck. Six, seven blocks later, he's got a severed spine. So let's let's take this full circle. So the the whole the the reason that we're having this conversation on this week in photo, um, you know, obviously to bring light to it to the to our audiences, but is the fact that you sent me that video, and you were. Presumably, I want you to set it up for us. But from what I saw, you were were doing your job, and I don't know. You walked right when you said walked left or crossed the line or something somewhere, well, and then got <laughs> got in trouble. What happened? You no, know, I, I look at it as occupational hazard. Um, I put in the twip notes the actual the the link to the gallery of the photos because I kept on shooting. Um, you know, the camera was yanked a couple of times, but I have a nice uh, rubber grip on my. On my Nikon, and I just refused to give it up, and I kept shooting. And there's one really uh, interesting photo. Um, it's it's blurry, but it reminds me of like those Kappa D Day photos. Like it's it's blurry, but it clearly shows a, the uh, one of the officers getting ready to beat this guy with a truncheon who was next to me. Um, and that's and that's I think I sent you that photo. That's in the gallery. Um, so they 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 rushed over me and this other guy who'd been yelling at him earlier. And uh, with really no provocation, they jumped on me with their shields. Um, you know, I got smacked around a little bit. I have bruises on my arms. Um, I'm kind of trying to defend myself. And then at the same time, there was a Reuters photographer um, who was uh, photographing the whole incident. And they arrested him just for standing there. Um, he, they kept telling him to back up, and he backed into a tree. He kept shooting, backed into a tree, and the one cop said arrest him. And he, he got arrested and taken away. Um, sorry, my my light's weird. Yeah, no so it was a pretty it was a pretty insidious evening. I mean, they they I think they really were targeting journalists early on. You know. Yeah. So this the yeah I just I just can't imagine. So the first thing that comes to mind as you know being a litigious American is can't you uh, <laughs> can't you is there a suit here that you could file well, against? I, 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 I've been talking to the um, MPPA uh, lawyer. I we've been going back and forth. Um, we're not sure, and I mean, I, I live in Baltimore. I work here. I have a I have a pretty good relationship with the police in my occupation, and um, I had an MRI done. You know, it was no permanent damage, just some bumps and bruises. So I'm not going to sue the department. I'm yeah. not going to get out on the road. I mean, you know, I, I I get very close to the action. I shoot prime lenses. Um, I don't have zoom, so I either get it or I don't. Um, and I think I had my I think I had my 35 millimeter on for this one. I just kept firing away. Um, so, you know, I mean, they, they were over me. Now, the guy that was with me, he's probably going to sue the department, the protester. He was just yelling at him, and uh, there's no losses you can't yell at. He wasn't throwing anything. I'll, he's going to look at the photos. There's a lawyer. He's going to look at the photos that I have and maybe use that as part of the case. 
and I think that Reuters may be suing them also. They have a better case than I do because uh, uh, Sirhan was just standing there. Yeah, and they yeah. arrested him, which is completely legal. So let's let's switch gears to some some more of the practical side of things rather than legal and and morally and all that stuff. So the the gear that you had, you mentioned you were out there shooting with the Nikon. How did it stand up? And which Nikon were you using? Because that's like um, well, that's like my, in I, the in the trenches, literally, with this gear, right? Yeah, I have my I, okay. So I um my my gear bag consists of one body, which is a D seven thousand, the vertical grip, uh, two memory cards, and six lenses. If I can't get a shot with six lenses, I might as well give it up. I don't need 25 bodies with 15 lenses. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey, I'm, I'm going to get to architecture in a minute. There's some great architecture around the around the, the riot site. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I have my bag, and I, I don't – my bag is – it's in my car, and I, I, I'm drawing a blank on the brand. But, man, it, I fell on it, and none of the lenses were damaged. Nice. Um, nice. And it was great. It's, it's like a $600 bag that was given to me as a gift by another photographer. Um, yeah, so the gear held up great. The Nikon was dropped. Um, I grabbed it. I kept shooting. And, uh, you know, Nikon forever, son. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's Nikon. what that stuff is for. It's the, those, <laughs> I mean, we, we rag on DSLRs and the weight and the size of those things somewhat on the right. show. But that, it's it's the right tool for the right job, right? Because right. that, yeah, that thing, those Nikons are designed to take a licking. This is, it. This is with my 14-millimeter Tamron. Yeah. 2.8. So. All right. Never so, so time. you're no worse for the wear. I want to bring the, the other guys in on the conversation. Sure. Martin, Jeffrey. So, uh, you guys saw the show notes, looked at the 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 story. Martin, I want to start with you. When you, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I know you know you, you landscape shooting. Very rarely do you find yourself in a situation like you know with looting and burning and all that kind of stuff. But when you <laughs> saw this, when you saw this video as a photographer. How did it make you feel? As you know, because you're we're all brothers, right? So how did it make you feel mm. from a photographer's standpoint? I, I I just you know I mean these stories are being covered very well on the Japanese TV, um, and I I'm I'm watching them. You know, it seems like every other week there's a new story coming out. Yeah. Um, there's there's just so much weirdness happening over in the U.S. at the moment, mm. um, and I, it saddens me on a just on a on a very fundamental level, you know, that people, I mean, you, you said in, in your introduction earlier, Frederick, that, you know, be, being beaten by, by other humans. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're all, we're all, you know, supposed to be getting along. And the, I, I don't know. I mean, you can't, it's an idealistic view that the world's going to be a peaceful place and we're all in this euphoric sort of state where nobody ever gets angry. That's right. never going to happen. I mean, it's it's humans and what, what we kind of programmed to do. But it just, it really is um, saddening when, when people, I mean, especially like Joe's just standing there trying to get, trying, I mean, as a photojournalist, you have to be able to stand in that sort of a place and make photographs. It's, it's a right to not only to, to do that as a job, but also to be able to relay what you the photographs that you're making to the general public. That's why Joe's there. And then to be targeted and beaten the way he was, it's just, you know, it's saddening. Um, but I mean, the, the wider, the wider thing, I mean, I, F- Freddie, Freddie Gray was um, in the, from the footage that we've seen on the, on the Japanese TV. I mean, he, he was already in a, in a pretty bad state when they, when they, you know, picked him up and took him in, took him in, into the uh, into the paddy wagon. So um, 
you know, and I'm, I'm wondering if maybe even the tackle that he received to bring him to the ground was what caused it in the first place. And, but, I mean, it's just there's a lot of very, very heavy-handed policing going on, and, you know, it's it's got to be a scary time for, for any black person in the U.S., but for any anyone, really. I mean, pretty much anyone is can get dragged into this stuff. As as Joe has, I mean, obviously the the fact that Joe is is a photojournalist and has had the um, was in that place just at the the right place at the wrong time, um, but, but you know, I mean, it's uh, it, it's just disturbing. Um, it is disturbing. It's, yeah. it's it's I mean, clearly on many levels, it's disturbing. Uh, Jeffrey, I want to have you mm. chime in on this too, from the standpoint of, you know, the Martin brought up the fact that it's disturbing, and they they we've seen. We've been seeing more and more uh, occurrences, or the frequency seems to be increasing of these events. Um, some people would argue, and that's a cop out. We've we've seen that maybe that's not the case. Maybe the case is that because we are now a digital society, uh, with everyone being empowered with mobile phones, they can shoot video and stills, and there's really no place that you can go and not be recorded. That the stuff that was happening is now being recorded and, you know, and is coming to light. Where, where do you fall on this? Is it, you know, one, well, one side or the other, or what do you think? I, I, I guess I tend to be a little more pessimistic on some of these things. I, I do think that, that it's, it's definitely a case of, of uh, people, the police or whomever, just getting caught more often. Uh, mm -hmm. not, not to disparage the police in general, but I think, you know, b bad things happen and, and sometimes they're going to end up on a video. And video is, uh, you know, used to be, before video was, was so prolific and common, it used to be like in a court of law, a photograph would, would hold up and that would be some evidence, but you didn't know the context around how it was taken. And even though you don't know the full context of how a video was taken, it does tell a much you know much more complete story about you know watching him being uh, carried into the paddy wagon and that sort of thing. Yeah. So the you know just the, the the facts that the video can bring us are, I think, a little more you know accurate. Uh, uh, even though they might not be in total context, but because we didn't see exactly what happened. But then you also see now that the, some of the police departments are, are trying to get into these uh, body camera situations. You know, they're trying to, each officer's meant to have a, a camera on them and they have the dash cams. And, and that does actually protect the police too. But there, I did read one story where the, with police uh, wearing the, the body cameras, um, that incidents with police, both positive and negative, you know, essentially any, any sort of incident with a, with a conflict with a citizen and a police officer, the, the number of those things went down dramatically. Yeah. And it was either that the police knew that they were wearing a body camera, or perhaps the uh, the public uh, who they're interacting with knew they were wearing a body camera. So there, it, it does. If, if it helps in that regard, then then that would be great. Um, it's yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, you know, and I wanted. To, I also want to highlight the. I there are tons of people or lots of, of people that listen to This Week in Photo that are law enforcement. Some of my best friends are law enforcement. My neighbor next door to my house is law enforcement. He's awesome. Um, so, you know, I, I want to be very careful not to paint the picture that, we've, that we're trying to vilify law enforcement at all. No, no, no. Not, not any, at any, all. Any group of people, mm -hmm. any group of people yeah. you know, there's going to be a bad element in that group that do the wrong thing, right? So, yeah, so we're, we're highlighting this piece of it. Joe, yeah, you, you want to comment? Yeah, Frederick, I've actually, you know, throughout this whole thing with the curfew and the, the rise looting, I've actually taken some photos, some positive photos of the cops interacting with the community. Um, there, there's one, there's one uh, really good picture of an officer who, who took his riot gear off, took his helmet off and put his shield and truncheon down to, to actually talk to one of the main protesters. 
And uh, that, that was a huge gesture. I mean, that was huge. You had 200 cops out there, you know, in riot formation. This guy was like, I'm, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm taking my helmet off. And they talked for a half hour. And other protesters waved me away, you know, like, hey, come on, media, leave these guys alone. Yeah. And uh, so I, I had to shoot through a bus stop window to get these two interacting because the other protesters had made like a circle and let these guys talk. And then after the curfew the other night, I was driving two of the Guardian, uh, the Guardian reporters back to their hotel. And we just like literally stumbled upon these two officers giving out um, shoes and food and coats to the homeless that were sleeping under the shelter. And, uh, you know, I asked for their names. They're like, look, man, we don't want to give our names. We just do this. And they just, they just rolled out when they were finished. Yeah. You know, so you, you, it, it's really, and I was an MP in the Army, as you know, and my father's a retired city cop. So it's, it's not about, you know, taking, taking anti-police photos or being anti-police. I mean, I, I tell my students when I give these lectures, you know, I don't take sides. I take photographs. So I do try to show both sides. I do, I do try to show that some of these cops are human. You know, they're exhausted. Protesters are exhausted. So, I mean, to all of the listeners that are that are law enforcement, I mean, this is not an anti-law enforcement thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the a good a good tangent from that, Joe, is just the the being a photojournalist, because you know we talk about the career field of photojournalism going away, and you know different newspapers laying off their entire photojournalistic staffs. You know, from so one and a half of my question to you is. When things like this happen, can it be covered by citizen journalism? You know, could it, could the things that are happening in Baltimore be covered by people whipping out their iPhones and and Android sure. phones and covering it? Sure. I mean, Arab Spring is was what ninety nine percent local local media, you know, local people shooting stuff. Yeah. And there was a there was a great piece in the Atlantic about about that exactly that question, and a, a Libyan uh, citizen said that she. You know, she responded more to the photograph of Gaddafi, you know, in the morgue that her uncle had taken than any other photograph by professional by professional journalists. Yeah. I think what photojournalists give you, though, are composition. You know, they, they give you good photography, you know, if that's what you're looking for. Um, that moment that's really captured where we talked about this the last time I was on. The cell phones really aren't up to, like, high-speed shooting yet. So you get a lot of blur, but you get facts. You get cold facts. Yeah. You don't get that eye or the detail that you look for in a uh, in a professional. That being said, Time Magazine is covered this week with some amateur photographer here in Baltimore. Wow. Uh, wow. Young African-American kid. He's about 22, only on Instagram. But he's going to be professional because he, he has the eye for composition and storytelling visually where he wasn't just showing up and shooting. That's amazing. Um, See, just yeah. the fact that Time is sending a person there or, or having an amateur photographer there covering something oh, no, as, yeah, he, as important they, they, as this with a, with a cell phone. That's huge. Yeah, they, they, they just found him through his feed. And he, he's, he's a great kid. I mean, he's, he's militant. He likes, you know, he's, uh, he's a good photographer. I think he's going to be professional. But by and large, the amateurs aren't going to be professionals, you know. So the, the other side of this question, Joe, is, is from a photojournalist standpoint, when you look at this, and I know my video is acting crazy here, guys. Yeah, it's okay. um, but when you, when you look at an incident like this um, from a photojournalist, the career field of photojournalist standpoint, how do you, and, and looking at you being sort of dragged into the spotlight and becoming part of the news, how do you, like, what's, what's the best way to phrase this? How do you keep yourself from being the news and, you know, and, and also reporting on it. 
You know, in other words, when they started beating on you, you became the story, right? Right, right. Um, well, I, I put up a I put up a Facebook statement the next day when this thing went viral, uh, pleading people to focus on Freddie Gray, focus on the reason that the cops were there in the first place was to defend the precinct because people were angry about the death of of one of their residents, and it wasn't about me. And I think putting that long statement up really helped nip in the bud any kind of backlash towards me or towards the incident. I mean, look, it's an occupational hazard, you know. I mean. The more insidious incident is, is a Reuters photographer who was just standing there taking photos. That, and he was off to the side. That, to me, is more troubling than someone being on the front lines. It's like a, a photojournalist getting shot you know, on the front lines. It, it's, it's an occupational mm -hmm. hazard. But if you're just standing there, you still there, Frederick? Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> okay. Looks like we lost you. Um, but if, if you're just standing there on the sidelines taking photos, you shouldn't be arrested for that. And, mm -hmm. and that's what the Reuters guy was arrested for. Pardon me, Joe. Did you see any other evidence of other other media being targeted or, or restricted? Well, or targeted not by, by by police, but definitely by protesters. We had a Baltimore Sun photographer, Chris Asef, was beaten up by protesters. A Russian Today journalist was beaten up by protesters. Um, I, I really think these people really hate. I mean, in general, in these situations, you know, they feel like they're in a fishbowl. These people come into town. I mean, Chris was local. He's a Baltimore Sun guy, but the videographers and the other guys, they come into town looking for a story, and people know that now. You know, people know they're being used for ratings, and I think they, they get fed up with it. Um, as far as the cop, like the cops at curfew the other night, the cops were relentless. They threatened my editor with pepper spray. Mm -hmm. um, we were out legally after curfew, and they arrested a bunch of legal observers from the National Lawyers Guild and street medics who are volunteer EMTs. Yeah. So, you know... And to a degree, it's kind of it is kind of targeted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the whole thing is is so the whole thing is still unfolding right now, right? So the we're, we're in a holding pattern now. We um they have the announcement about the charges, so we're waiting. You know, like the Rodney King thing, we're waiting. And the trial comes up and to see what the outcome is of that. So what's next for you, Joe? What's uh what's on what's on your plate? Or after this show, are you going to head out and? Continue. Um, well, actually, I'm, I'm here. I'm in the office because I'm on call. We had an incident today, which I'm sure you, you guys may have heard about by now, where Fox News put up this cast that a guy had been shot in the back by police in the area, and it just went nuts. And then they retracted it like immediately. Just just Google Fox News Baltimore shooting and come right up. It was it was ridiculous. But tensions are still extremely high, so um, we're we're really keeping an eye on things. I'm 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 usually awake. And on call till around midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, but after this, I, I started a Tumblr, which I put in my, um, which I put in my profile uh, thing down there on the Hangout, uh, called Gray and Black and White, where I I was uh, consciously shooting these uh, photos, um, black and white, uh, digital, but um, more more of like the Telex Iran, the the, the G Perez series, where it's more of a mood, not so much about action. Yeah. And I'd like to put those in a book and sell the book and use the money for the legal fund for uh, Freddie Gray's family. That's wonderful. Thanks, man. We'll we'll definitely link to that. And also, it's thank you. It's going to be updated daily with all my black and white stuff. That's so. That's uh. That's at where gray in black and white dot com or dot tumblr dot com, right? Right. Yeah. It, it's. It, I actually added it to the bottom to my uh my signature down there. So. Okay. Perfect. And. Uh, thank you for not not uh, succumbing to the uh, the you know trying to be witty and naming it Fifty Shades of Gray. That would that would not have worked. So I appreciate that. No, no, no. I, I 
I wouldn't have done that. But no, no. Being said, the cops, you know, the, the, the cops know who I am now, and they just like wave me away. They're like, yeah, we know him. Yeah, yeah, you're a hot potato now. So. <laughs> All right, guys, before we before we continue the show, I want to thank our sponsor, one of our sponsors for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends over at FreshBooks.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain and thankfully FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or you know sort of messing with our creative juices with FreshBooks you can invoice clients it's easy you can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger you're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff you can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone you can whip up business reports you can stay on top of your income expenses and tax time is coming up so with a couple of clicks you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash twip, enter the code this week in photo or twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of this week in photo. And here's a quick look at what's happening this week on the TWIP Network. Once again, our Facebook group is live. You can join in on the conversation over at thisweekinphoto.com slash Facebook. And on All About the Gear, Doug and Gordon tackle the much-anticipated Canon EOS M3. And on The Fix, Jan sits down with Howard Pinsky. All that and more is happening this week on the TWIP Network. You can subscribe to any or all of our shows over at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. All right, guys, let's let's uh, wrap this this particular story up, uh, which is, I mean, we could talk about this, you know, for the entire hour, which we almost have. So this is a, and clearly this is a deep topic, and it continues to unfold. And there's many different tangents that you can take to to tackle this. As I was thinking about the show, I was thinking, you know, what do, I got I got Joe on the show who's in this. What do I ask him? You know, so I want to know, you know, I wanted to know how you felt when you were just doing your job and you got accosted. I wanted to know what gear you were using. I want to know what the temperature is there. I think, mean, and I think the final question I want to know is, you know, when you tonight, when you go out, or when you go out and do your job as a photojournalist in Baltimore, what's your what's your general sense of, 
you know, I'm going to be okay when I go home. I'm going to go home and watch some TiVo. I mean, are you feeling that, or is, are you, do you have, like, a war zone kind of vibe? What, what does it feel like on well, the ground? For, for the past week, I mean, I've, I've been riding around with um, my editor and writer here, uh, Baynard Woods, who's been recording a lot of this on video. If you go to the City Paper site, you can see a lot of his, his blogs and work. And the Guardian, uh, the Guardian, a lot of Guardian writers that I've been working with in Vice, who were in, who were in uh, a lot of them were in Iraq, a lot of them were in Ferguson, and for the past week, it, it has been it has been like war zone conditions. I mean, besides uh, my altercation with the cops, I've been tear gassed, I've been pepper sprayed, I've been shot at with rubber rubber bullets and and pepper pellets. Um, one photographer who we wrote about on our site did get hit in the head with a, a rubber bullet, got knocked out and arrested and taken to jail. Um, and these guys are aiming, you know, they, they, they have a name. They're not just like spraying bullets. When you, when you start shooting that stuff, you have a name. And then, you know, last, uh, last Monday night, I mean, people were running flaming cars into each other at intersections. Um, so it was, it, it, it's been a real war zone scenario here for the past almost two weeks. Wow. In the, mostly at night. A lot of it was at night. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll definitely keep tabs on you, just you know, just to make sure that you're okay. And uh, to... I'll I'll check in with you. I'll do a live from the scene. I'll call you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You should do a do a periscope directly from ground from the ground. There, that'd be kind of yeah. cool. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by our newest sponsor, and that's our friends over at Animoto.com. In today's connected and visual world, video is really now a necessity. It's no longer an option. In fact. All of the social media platforms now allow video. People are using video as a powerful way to stand out from just static photos. Even Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg predicts that video will be the primary form of communication on Facebook within five years. And with video, you can better engage your customers and your friends. You can drive more traffic to your website. And you can boost your company or your personal image online by just using video. But learning how to use video and spending the money to create compelling videos is expensive. And it takes a long time to learn the tools necessary to create cool looking video. So that's where Animoto comes in. Animoto is a drag and drop video builder that gives you everything you need to produce professional videos in just minutes. You just need a logo and some photos or some video clips. You throw them in there and boom, the thing crunches them and spits out an amazing looking professional video. They've got 1,000 or over 1,000 commercially licensed songs for you to use, courtesy of Triple Scoop Music. Animoto has partnered with respected photographers, including Kelly Brown, Jerry Gihonas, Tamara Lackey, and more to provide you with exclusive professionally designed video styles. Plus, if you have your own logo, you can replace the Animoto branding with your own logo on there. Plus, you can create unlimited HD videos. You can share your videos on your website. You can throw them up on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, email. You can even download them and burn them to a DVD if you want to. Plus, they've got a cool Lightroom plugin, so you can you can shoot your images directly from Lightroom into Animoto and have it remix them just like that. No more exporting to a folder than uploading. You can just send them directly out to Animoto from your desktop. Animoto is really more than just a slideshow. They 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 allow you to tell a story. You can choose the right music, set a cool mood, and really bring a series of images and video clips to life. And you can market your photography business with video with just a few clicks. You know more editing experiences needed. You can blend those video clips and photos seamlessly into one final piece, really without any extra work. 
and you can create your first video in about 10 minutes. You know, and this is about less than the time it takes for you to get your favorite caffeinated drink from your favorite barista. And Animoto has a special free trial. It's a no risk free trial. You can try them for free and join the thousands of photographers who are already using Animoto to stand out from the crowd. Just head over to animoto.com slash twip and use the offer code TWIP and they'll knock 15% off an Animoto Pro account. Once again, that's animoto.com slash twip and use the offer code TWIP for 15% off. All right, guys, let's move on to this next story, story number two, uh, which I feel like we have to do, but I'm going to do <laughs> I'm going to talk about it anyway. So we've been talking about uh, Apple Watch a lot on the show, or not actually not that much on the show, but in the news in general, it's been like everywhere. I, I wish there was a dollar amount that we could tally to see how much free press Apple has gotten for this Apple Watch thing. So we're just going to pile on and give them some more free press. How about that? <laughs> so, so, uh, so the idea, over on Photo Focus, my friend Doug Dalton uh, wrote about his impressions of the Apple Watch, and he listed some of the reasons why he thinks it may become, or in fact it will, according to him, become the photographer's best friend. And some of the things that he cited was the form factor, it's rugged, etc., um, it's designed to withstand the elements better than an iPhone or an iPad. You can control cameras via the apps you put on there. It's got an intervalometer built into it. Notifications, can you can set them to alert you when you're no longer doing a time lapse, you know, so it can alert you to change batteries or whatever. Um, you can review your images on the watch, and uh, you have your portfolio anywhere at any time. So I have a couple of issues with this list, uh, but some of it's good. So the last one is your portfolio. Jeffrey, I want to mm -hmm. have you chime in on this. If, if you had an Apple Watch, I know you don't have yeah. one, but if you had one, would you uh, would you put your architectural photography on that and show it to clients? No, no. <laughs> I think uh, aside from a quick novelty of, of seeing, but no, it's obviously way too small a screen right. to show right. you know, any photography at all. So I think that that's uh, that that, but it was last in his list, I guess. So we could maybe say that we see had that in mind. But yeah, I was curious: are the other features and things that he talked about are these real things at this point? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Are there apps yeah. that actually are are programmed to do this already? Yeah, these are features in the in the actual Apple Watch. Yep. Oh, okay. I didn't know they were like native features. Okay, I was thinking that they were uh, things yet to be developed, and they were sort of sort of a wish list. I mean, certainly the intervalometer and things like that, and a no, notification. No, according, according like to according to Apple, so far there are uh, about thirty-five thousand apps that have been developed for specifically for Apple Watch, which are essentially you know add-ons that control their their yeah. proper iPhone or iPad counterpart. But right, thirty-five. No, not thirty-five thousand. I'm sorry, thirty-five hundred. Uh -huh. So <laughs> 3,500 apps are out there already and more showing up every day. I, th I think like a lot of the, the discussion around the watch is um, does the watch itself provide any unique functionality? And since all these things are essentially extensions from the iPhone uh, apps, uh, does it really matter? Like if your intervalometer can run from your iPhone, you know, maybe it's a little easier to use it from your iPhone because you can adjust the controls better. But I, I see the Apple Watch more as something that can provide you with, with alerts and just keep you sort of in tune with your digital life rather than actually being a real part of your digital life, if that makes sense. Yeah, so no, it's, you know, it's, yeah just, it just gives you notifications. It's like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm here if you need me. It's uh, or and, and I think a lot of the, um, not related to photography, but a lot of the, uh, the, uh, the sort of sports-related things are, Probably it's going to be its, one of its biggest features, but yeah. I personally don't see it as as a big asset for for what I do. Um, mostly because the camera I use is is very very manual, 
um, it does have uh, the phase one back does allow me to um, I was using it today uh, allow me to uh, see the images off the CF card on the iPad which is nice so I guess in theory you could see them on the Apple watch but that's actually smaller than the LCD on the phase one back so yeah I don't see yeah. a lot of use in that but I'm sure there'll be some things that I haven't thought of that might might end up being useful yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I have to. I'm still in wait and see mode. I thought I'd be more more bullish on it by now, and mm -hmm. I'm certainly warming up a little bit more to it. But I'm, you know, it, it's interesting. It's still a wait and see game for me. Uh, yeah. Martin, what about you? Martin, I know you. I know you don't have one, and being the luddite that you are, you're probably not going to get one. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think about this? I mean, some of the things that Doug listed in terms of uh, why it could become the photographer's best friend. Do you agree with any of these? Um. I agree. The, th the thing that I do agree with Doug on is that it, as a device, it is more robust. It's, it's, you know, you're not going to need to worry too much about it getting wet in the, you know, if it's raining or uh, other elements. You're not going to need to be too concerned about mollycoddling the device itself. Um, but as, as Jeffrey was just saying, the a lot of the functionality depends on you still having your phone or, or an iPad with you as well. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that there's there's limitations. Um, you know, in all, fa in all fairness, Doug does say, I looked at the, you know, the portfolio statement. The first thing I was thinking was, yeah, right. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to show anyone photos on my watch. But yeah. Yeah. Um, he does, in the... In his uh, post, he does say, have your portfolio with you at all times on your wrist as needed, toss it up on a big screen via AirPlay. Um, yeah. Again, I mean, Air AirPlay is is obviously that that's a good a good angle to look at. But again, I'm not sh I, I haven't checked the specs. I'm not that interested in in a, a watch that I have to um, I have to basically recharge every 18 hours or so. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for me, that's the big thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting one because I, I'm not in places where I can recharge every day, and I don't want a device that is gonna is gonna die in you know at the end of each day, unless I can plug it in. Um, that's the only thing. I think the watch itself is really cool. I'm, I'd like one, but it's not essential, and probably because of the recharging factor, I'm I'm not gonna jump on this. But um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it does still need a yeah, that's what I was going to say. I haven't checked the the specs, but I mean, how many, how how much RAM do you have in this thing? I'm, like memory. I'm, yeah. How, how big are the photos, Frederick? Right. Um, I mean, yeah, it, I'm not sure what the res. I think it's in the 16 gig range. I think. Yeah, yeah. So so the thing is, is you're not going to have um your your portfolio of images on the watch. I think you're still going to need them on a on a in in your phone or an iPad and be just controlling them from the watch. So I think that the, the, he has a lot of good points. You know, the, the weatherproofing of the device is, is obviously a big plus. Um, and I think it's, it, the list is, is, you know, it's a good list to look at. But I think that there's some things that in reality, um, I mean, there, there's a big conflict in that he's, he talks about how you, you don't always take your iPad or your iPhone with you but when you're going to go out in inclement weather. But I think that there's so much of the rest of what's on his list that depends on the iPhone or an iPad that it kind of negates a lot of the points. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, you know, the, the the device is cool. I'd like one, but I'm holding off. I'm I'm thinking that maybe the biggest thing for a lot of people is going to be the the life, uh, the battery life, mm -hmm. and probably 
the you know the iWatch two or three is going to have much better battery life. Yeah, so. totally. I, I totally agree with that. And I'm in the same boat. It's the battery life thing that has me, mm. you know, on the fence or off the fence, however you look at it. But Jeffrey, the I looked it up. Um, the Apple Watch comes with eight gigabytes of storage, eight. and and they limit it to two gigs. Um, that's uh for music, and that sort of thing. So oh, okay. yeah, interesting. Um, you know, I I think I think. Everybody and their mamas is, is speculating about what this thing is going to be and what it's for and who it's for and all that. But for me personally, it's the only person I can truly speak for, is um, if I got one of these, it would it'd be great to be able to remote control cameras and trigger them, you know, as a, as a remote release, I think, on the camera side. Um, also, on the portfolio side, it would be good if you could control I, I know there's if there's not yet there will be um, keynote remote apps on there so that I can mm -hmm. advance slides back and forth from my wrist if I'm that presenting from an iPad or a Mac or yeah. something that would be killer that way you don't have to have the pointer and clicking and you know all that stuff you just sort of reach over and tap your wrist um, that would be cool but yeah I think it's still waiting on that that killer app Joe what about you I mean in your in your world of like down dirty in the trenches doing real photojournalism does a luxury item like an Apple Watch fit in any place? Does it in any way make you want to get it? No. <laughs> <laughs> As he leans in, for the listening audience, he leaned into the camera and just said, no. <laughs> no, I'm actually, I'm holding out for the Apple Ring so I can project my, my photos like Green Lantern kind of like on the wall. That would be great. <laughs> that's, that, that's what I'm holding out for. No, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think... Uh, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess, I mean, what is the, you know, like the, the nighttime resolution and, and how fast can it go, things like that. I mean, you know, I, I, the iPhone so far has been great. The iPad has been great as, you know, as, as uh, sub-cameras. So I don't really, you know, I don't see myself getting an um, Apple Watch anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. Um, but as you know, Frederick, I'm, I'm not the best guy to talk about gadgets. Phil, I know, I know, I love it. That's why I like to, I like to ask you because the answer is always no. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you can see a future where, um, you know, the you have your Apple Watch on, and I think they have this already for some. I think Starwood Resort, some of the Starwood hotels, yeah, where you you walk up to the door of your room without even checking in or whatever, and it just unlocks because it knows it's you and you have your watch or whatever. Um, I think. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I mean, it's a it's a great you know gadget for that. I mean, for as a watch and apps and music. But as far as taking photos, I mean, because I, you can't really, you know, you'd have to be able to see. You know, what I mean, I don't know how you would, you know, at least with the phone, you can flip it around or you can you can see a bigger screen yeah. when you're shooting. You know, I guess you would. I mean, how would you take? Good foot. Would you just point it? I mean, is that, is that well, it doesn't glass, have a camera right? on it. But the idea is, you'd have a preview. You'd have a preview streaming from your your camera or your phone to your wrist. So, say so you're doing a group shot and your camera's oh. set up, and you're in the group shot, you can trigger the camera from your wrist and then kind of walk away. No, oh, okay. I mean, so all right. I mean, that's cool. But as far as like as a working camera, I don't really think. Uh, I mean, maybe on a James Bond spy level, yeah, but. You know, not as like a regular working camera. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I'd, I'd like to see them solve the battery problem with the, uh, like the watch I'm wearing now, mechanical uh, movement. If they can make some sort of kinetic movement that would actually charge the battery. That, that would be You can do it by walking, right? There you go. Make a yeah. video on that. Yeah, with that one, you can watch while you walk. Right. I think that'll happen. 
Or body energy, right? Body heat somehow, thermal. Convert thermal to electricity and charge the battery. <laughs> yeah, your heart charges it. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I want to jump into the listener Q&A before we end the show here. Um, before we do that, I want to thank our final sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends over at lynda.com. This episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online training platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, just visit lynda.com slash twip. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-W-I-P. Now, lynda.com is for problem solvers, creative people, or just people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel or learn negotiation tactics or build a website or even boost your Photoshop skills. Just go to lynda.com and feed your curious mind. lynda.com offers a ton of courses on Lightroom, Photoshop, and the Adobe Creative Cloud, and many on just getting inspired or re-inspired about your photography. With a lynda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching, and you can stream thousands of video courses on demand and learn at your own schedule. And courses are structured so that you can watch them from start to finish, or you can consume them in bite-sized pieces. You can even download tutorials and watch them on the go from your iOS or Android device. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. So whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or just want to learn something new, visit lynda.com slash twip and sign up for your free 10-day trial. That's l-y-n-d-a dot com slash twip. All right, it's time for some listener Q&A. This week's question is from Edward. Edward says, I'm starting to print more and more of my own work, and I'm wondering if you could share a simple step-by-step -step process for getting started with calibrating my computer and printer for consistent results. Also, can you recommend the best paper for color and black and white prints? Hmm, that is an interesting question. Who do I know that knows about that? Martin Bailey knows about that <laughs> Martin wrote a book on that. So, Martin, what do you think? So, step by step. I mean, um, clearly, we don't have enough time to go through the entire ebook that you wrote on this. But what's nah, a, what's a good um, Reader's Digest version? So, the there's only there's only one device that will allow you to do a calibration of a, a display and a printer profile that is is worth buying in the in the relatively low range. Um, and that's the the X-Rite Color Monkey Photo. Um, they retail at about $450 on B&H. Um, if you want to go crazy, there's the there's the $1,000 plus uh, I One Photo too. But you know, I'm as a as a starting point, the the Color Monkey Photo is a great place to to start. Um, basically, you're going to want to calibrate your your display. And one of the most important things there to keep in mind is that you when you do that you want to pay attention to the brightness one of the main reasons why people's prints come out really really bad um, and nothing like the what's on the screen is because people ignore the the information on how bright you should set your monitor the majority of the time monitors are too bright and that's why you, you know it's actually a big vicious circle because cameras um, are still using 150-year-old technology, so that the images, if you don't do anything, are always too dark. 
but the displays are always too bright, so they look fine. Um, and people think that they are, but then when they print, they see a really dark print. So make sure that you set the brightness, and then you can also use the Color Monkey Photo to create uh, pretty good uh, ICC profiles for your printer. Make sure that you take control from Lightroom or Photoshop or wherever you're printing. Specify the profiles, the ICC profiles that you've created. And if you've got your, your display calibrated and you're, you're using your homemade ICC profile and you've got your monitor brightness set correctly, then pretty much most of the time the, the prints are going to come out a lot, lot very, very close to what you see on the screen. Um, but of course, the, the screen's backlit and a print is not. So you're going to, depending on, it will change depending on the light that you view it in. Um, as for the paper, uh, breathing color make the best the best paper that you can get. There's the the majority of the I mean like Epson and Canon all have really good paper in their lines. There's like there's Red River, there's Ilford, there's a whole bunch of paper out there. Um, but the question is, can you recommend the best paper for color and black and white? Yes, it's from Breathing Color. Go to breathingcolor.com, um, and they if you want a mat. That, that will work. I mean, they all of their papers work great in color and black and white. For mats, their Pure Smooth is beautiful. It's OBA free, which means it doesn't have any optical brightening agents in there that will uh, glow with ultraviolet light and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so Pure Smooth is is amazing. They've also got, um, for example, they like Vibrance. Uh, they have Vibrance Ragged. They've got a Vibrance um, Metallic as well. Uh, the metallic papers that they have there are absolutely off the, off the charts when it comes to the color gamut, you know, how many colors they can actually uh, represent or, or reproduce. And they also have Silverado Canvas, which is a, a, uh, a metallic canvas. All of the canvases on the wall behind me, I know that the, the audio listeners can't see these. A lot of those are done with, um, with either live canvas, which was a beautiful matte, or a metallic. Uh, but Breathing Colors line range is... is uh, the, probably the best media that you can buy. So, so my um, my, my question out. on that would be, you know, I've got Epson printers here, um, and mm. and in, uh, yeah, HP over there too, a little HP. So my mm. my thinking was always kind of like with cameras and lenses is to buy the manufacturer lens for the camera, you know, the manufacturer OEM branded, and same for the printer if I'm buying, you know, can't go wrong if I buy Epson printer and stick it in my, or Epson paper and stick it in my Epson mm. printer. Why why would I want to get breathing color paper versus buying Epson paper? Well, the the benefits of using the manufacturer's paper is, is that they generally already have a generic ICC profile that ships with the printer. And that, so if, if, you, if you don't want to calibrate the printer, if you don't want to create your own ICC profiles, then that already puts you in a really good place. The quality of the media is is still very good. So, you know, you're not going to, if you buy the, the best, I mean, the Epson's, um, I think it's Fine Art Velvet, uh, I haven't used it for a while. It's, it's a beautiful paper, uh, you know, beautiful media. Um, so there's not a lot in it really, but I've I've used all of these and I just find that once you start to create, once you're in a position to create your own ICC profile, it gives you, you know, you get a, a much wider color gamut with some of the some of the papers from uh, Breathing Color, and I mean, I 
I can show you show examples of if you go into Lightroom and hit the S key in the develop module, you you will be put into the uh, soft proofing mode. Mm. And if you select maybe download the the um, the ICC profile from Breathing Color, that's another another good way of doing this. Uh, or or any whatever paper you've got, if you can get all of the ICC profile, load it into onto your computer, and then hit S in the develop module, and select each of these uh, the profile ICC profiles that you are thinking of using, and you can see how wide the gamut is, and uh, even within um, Breathing Colors media range. I can I can select pure or smooth, which is a matte paper, and see a certain amount. Say bright bright yellows, bright greens, bright reds. They're all quite difficult to print right without doing any sort of manipulation. Um, but if you, with some of them, you can see a lot of colours that are are not going to print natively out of gamut with certain profiles. But then when you select something like the the Silverado canvas. That thing is just off the chart. I haven't found a photograph yet that I have to manipulate for print. It just prints wow. pretty much every color that I can that I can include in the photographs. So it really is about how much work you want to do to actually get the print on out, you know, the um, photograph onto the paper. Mark, can I ask you a question? Sure. Yeah. Uh, why do you? I mean, it seems that you prefer wraps to the you know the straight up flat paper mat matted framed. Um, why is that? Is, is there is there a reason for? I mean, is it the landscapes? Is it is it the color gradations? What, why is that? Um, for for me right here, the the main reason is because I can finish them myself. I I can buy the you know I've got the big printer behind me here. I can print them and get the frame the you know the actual stretcher bars and complete them myself. That's the main thing. If for a frame, I've actually got to buy a frame and. I, I mean, I I do I do like printing on just straight papers. I, I a lot of the prints that I sell are just they're on their paper, uh, either the pure or smooth or metallic or a gloss, and I roll them and ship them to people. And so they end up they end up being framed. It's more a logistics thing. I for me living in Japan, I I have to ship things overseas, and so a framed print is much more difficult to ship. Right. Um, but but for in my own here here in my my studio, I use gallery wraps more just because I can complete them myself. Do you think there's a stigma about gallery wraps, like actually being in galleries? Because I don't, you know, having been, I was in New York for an aperture party last week, and I went to a bunch of photo shows. I didn't see any any canvas gallery wraps. They're still mm -hmm. doing the traditional framing. I know we didn't have much time, but I'm really mm -hmm. curious. I think our, our the listeners would like to know too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm. I'm not sure that I don't think that there's. I think gallery wraps are kind of they're they're becoming a little bit old-fashioned. People are are moving up, moving back to frame prints in a lot of ways. Um, and I I I do I do like to see a very a nicely produced framed print as well. Um, so I think it really depends on on what you're on the gallery. I mean, in a gallery itself. I don't even know why these are called gallery wraps. <laughs> Maybe it's because they were they were more popular. I think for people that print at home, the majority of the people that I know that print gallery wraps, it's just for the same reason that you can complete them yourself. Um, I do know some people that make their own frames and enjoy the process. Um, for me, I generally, with me with me living in in a relatively small Japanese apartment. I can't really keep them too many materials, so it's just a logistics thing for me. 
Um, but yeah, the print, framed, framed prints are beautiful, and I think that a lot of galleries uh, understand that, and are just are, are you know either going back to or have just stuck with that from the start. Love it. Good, good answer. And Martin, I know you're being you're being modest about your uh, the ebook that you have over on Craft and Vision. Why don't you tell us, <laughs> tell us what it is? So if if uh, our listener Edward wants to go check it out, he can find it. Where what's the name and where is it? Yeah, it's uh, it's called Making the Print, and you can I, go, just go to craftandvision.com and search for Making the Print, or or look under the author list. I've got three other three books there. Um, a direct link to take you there, one of my short links is mbp.ac slash cvmtp, so craft and vision making the print. That That is alphabet soup. I would never, yeah. ever remember that. <laughs> <laughs> craft and vision search for making the print is the easiest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Thanks, Martin. Appreciate that. Uh, right, hey, 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 Frederick. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. Uh, just, just real quick, I wanted to direct some of the listeners. I'm having a really interesting conversation on Twitter with one of our listeners about the legalities of that in the other window here. Uh, was it Sandy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting. I'm, I don't want to take up time because I know we're on a schedule. But I mean, if if you guys are following Frederick or any of the other Twippers, she's asking some really good questions about legality of photographing police. That's all. And what's what's the? Why don't you share with us the response? What is what's the well, legality um, of it? She asked, she asked if her, you know her first question was, is there anything we could do better? When we see p people abused and are locked up, and I wrote back, um, you know, keep shooting. That's that's the one thing you can do to help people is to have uh, visual evidence of what's going on. And I also told her to keep in mind it's legal to film police doing their jobs. And then she answered, except uh, Texas, which has passed legislation and Bill 1342 introduced, which I don't know what that is, but I I just asked her if that's what that's about. That's all. It's interesting. I like to answer people on Twitter, so. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, definitely follow uh, Joe, me, this week in photo, Martin, and Jeffrey on there, on Twitter. But you know what I when I when I see those kind of interchanges, Joe, you know what I think? Like when you say, yeah, it's legal, it's legal to photograph public servants, blah blah blah, as long as they're in public. Um, and then I think of this Freddie Gray incident when he wasn't doing anything, and as a photographer, a black photographer, am I going to take, you know, that chance of losing my life by shoot, taking photos of the officers to stand up for principles, or do well, I just walk away and have to shoot another day? Right, but keep in mind, we wouldn't even know about Freddie Gray if somebody hadn't have made a video of it. That's right. Mm -hmm. right. That is absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the, the guy who took it, um, he was actually, I met him, he was at the rally today. He's a very courageous dude, and he's a he was a local in Freddie's neighborhood, and they photograph the police locking people up all the time, and then once in a while they get something like this, you know. So you're you're within your rights. I mean, you have to check obviously state by state if you're going sure. to shoot in a foreign state. You should check what the legality, especially in a, in a foreign like an extremely foreign state like Iraq. Um, but as far as locally, if you see police abuse or you see abuse on abuse, you should. You know, we live we live in an era where you know things are done on the internet and things get changed via the internet. So d never be afraid to do that. You know, you might get locked up, you might you might get smacked around, but you know you might be saving someone's life or documenting a crime like this guy with Freddie Gray did. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. 
All right, TWIP listeners, if you have a question you'd like us to tackle on the show, just visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com. We've got a submit a question link at the top of the page. You can submit a question um, using your voice, or you can uh, type the question if you're too shy to use your voice. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up now uh, with some picks of the week. Remember, you guys can recommend anything to the TWIP army as long as it is somehow related to photography. Joe, I'm going to let you go first. What is your pick of the week? Um, well, I've got, uh, as you as you know, Frederick, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a photo book nerd, so mm -hmm. here it comes. <laughs> uh, no, there's, there, there's two really good books um, that I think people should pick up if they're interested in photojournalism. Uh, one is called Things As They Are, which was put out by the National uh, or the International or the World Press Association um, Photo Association about two years ago, and it's actual spreads of these iconic photojournalism magazine pieces. So you, they basically just scanned in the issue, so you can see these photos that you've seen hundreds of times in context of the rest of the of the rest of the article and the rest of the issue for layout. And then um, with what's going on in Brussels and Baltimore and, and Texas now. Uh, I, I was going to recommend uh, Magnum Photos 1968, which was mm -hmm. just about the uprisings in 68, and it's just a fantastic photo book. Very cool. Good. Good picks, and we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes, obviously. Yeah, I, I put mine in there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for those. All right, next up, Martin Bailey. What is your pick of the week? Uh, you know, I... Um... I recently started using a Drobo Mini, and when I'm traveling, I'm probably going to want an extra 2.5-inch hard drive that I could drop in if I needed to, you know, if, if one of the drives fails. Yeah. And so, but I got to thinking, you know, just in the in the bubble wrap, I'm I'm not sure I want to carry a drive around in my bag just in the bubble wrap. The box is too big. And I thought, why don't I just buy a a a drive? Uh, you know, like a, a case, the one where you can actually put the drive in it. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I did. I'm holding it up here, but I, I got this thing from in, Inatech, or Inatech, I'm not sure how they pronounce it. Uh, I think these are a German company, um, but basically, if I can pull this off, you just slide in the uh, the 2.5-inch drive, but then you can actually use it as a drive. So, you know, it's, it's not like it's just a protection. Um, I figured I'd put it in one of these, and these are like $15. Um, drop it in. You can use it as a drive. Um, and actually, because I, I, I bought 7,200 RPM drives to make the Drobo Mini faster, uh, it's actually quite fast. It's, it's faster than most of your consumer, um, you know, the small portable drives because it's, it's a faster hard drive. Most of, the, most of the portable drives use the slower drives, uh, you know, the actual hard disk spinning speed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in Inatech, Inatech um, hard drive housing. Excellent. Yeah, for the two and a half inch drives. Yeah, that's a that's a a good pick. I've got a couple of similar housings like that that I use for um, old drives. And you know, I've got some uh, cartridge kind of holders that will take the mm -hmm. the SATA drives. You know, the the refugees that you pull out of your Drobo when you expand the space. So <laughs> yeah, those drives I can stick into something and mount those and use them for transferring video files back and forth to editors and that sort of thing. So yeah, mm -hmm. good good way to recycle your your data. Yeah. Or data storage. Cool. Thanks, Mark. That was perfect. Okay. All right. Jeffrey, what is mm -hmm. your pick of the week? Well, to continue our uh, printing discussion, um, uh, just by chance, I've been um, uh, experimenting with a company in Germany that makes prints. I, I do my own printing uh, for the most part if it's, if it's less than uh, 16 inches wide on my Epson uh, printer, but 
when people need something larger, uh, I've been sending stuff out, uh, and I found this great uh, company in Germany called Whitewall, just like it sounds, Whitewall. I guess they're trying to find something for you to put on your Whitewall. Um, but you can, for um, I think eight dollars or something, get their sample kit. And what I'm showing here is um, they they do uh, they almost seem to specialize in um, face mounted printing, which is which is a, a, a print that is uh, mounted uh, face first, uh, essentially to the back of a piece of clear acrylic, hmm. uh, and then uh, and then that would be backed up with um, in this case they use an aluminum dye bond. So hold it up to the camera. But for the listeners, it's basically a sandwich, the print sandwich between clear acrylic and then a solid stiff backing. And then when it would be mounted on the wall, it just it doesn't have any frame or anything. Uh, it's just the, uh, the the polished edges of the acrylic. Uh, it's a very clean look. Um, in fact, behind me there there's a black and white print on the wall that I had them do. Oh, that's great. And what, what is shipping like on something like that? It's extremely it reasonable. I mean, I was uh, the funny thing was I was just um, I I sent out the the black and white print I did kind of as a test. I've been wanting to make a print of that image. Um, at that size with this technique, and I just said, well, let me give these guys a try. I've seen them for years, and um, they advertise in the Leica magazine. I get LFI, uh, and then I started to see them a little bit more uh, around the Internet, and they're they're, I guess they're just getting a broader reach. And the shipping is remarkably reasonable. Um, that one, I don't know if it was 10 or $12 to ship it, and part of their process, which is cool, is they, they have a machine that will make a custom-fit uh, package to ship the print in. So it's not like... You know, a small print and a giant box that's exactly fit to the uh, to the size prints that you're ordering, and uh, you know, as much as I would like to to, to work with a company in the United States, I was, I was I priced a large print job for eight huge prints uh, for a client at a local place, and um, uh, the place in Germany was a lot cheaper, and um, and their turnaround time was quicker, and just more wow. pleasant to deal with, <laughs> actually. So, um, so so far so good with these guys, and uh, so I'd recommend just going to their website, ordering the little sample kit. Um, this is one with thinner, um, thinner plexiglass, and then they send ones also that are just a, a print mounted on just the aluminum dye bond, which is just a stiff back, uh, but the print's not as well protected. And they, so they can do virtually uh, virtually any kind of, of, of printing. And um, so, like I said, so so far so good. Uh, and I'm just about to place this order for these uh, eight larger prints, you know, 40 by 50 inch prints. Wow. And um, so hopefully they would uh, uh, arrive safely. The only thing that you have to be a little careful of, and the thing that I'm doing. Even though, um, as part of our earlier discussion, and, and as Martin uh, explained so well, is uh, I use a, a pretty well color calibrated system. I have a, an, an ISO uh, display, which is very color accurate, self calibrates, um, and I, my whole color management system, <coughs> excuse me, from shooting through post production is, is very meticulous. But you still don't know exactly what you're going to get when you send it to somebody else. So, as uh, since I'm placing the several thousand dollar order, I'm first ordering just four by six prints on the same paper from this company and they're going to send those to me just loose prints and I'll be able to check those to make sure that the the when they receive my profiles and my photos on their paper through their process that that the color is going to be accurate Smart. so um, yeah. uh, and it's a small price to pay it was like twenty five dollars plus some, you know a week's worth of time to get them shipped over here uh, so but I think that that's that's sort of part of the color management process like if you're going to be working with an outside vendor uh, you certainly want to be color managed, so you're confident that you're sending something there. But the first few times you work with them, you want to you want to do what you can to make sure that you're speaking the same language, uh, even though you might be digitally speaking the same language. You want to visually be speaking the same language too. Yeah. Hey, Je um, Jeffrey, do, yeah. do they do they allow do they have uh, their their own ICC profiles for their printers that you can yes. download and check? Oh, brilliant. Yeah, what I did, as Martin was describing, um, I soft-proofed everything uh, based yeah. on the, the paper. That, uh, so I could download. This was the – I'm printing on the Fuji Crystal Archive. 
um, uh, through them. And then you can download that printer profile. And then basically, as Martin already explained, but the process basically you, you can see on your display the color gamut that that, that paper and process is going to give you. So uh, a lot of times in the photos I do, like even in my lower third, there's like a nice dusk shot. That dusk shot blue sky often gets lost in, in printing. It just can't hold that, that deep, rich cobalt blue as well. So it gets lost a little bit. It usually ends up looking fine, but it's not as vibrant as you would see uh, on, the, on the display. So, uh, but yeah, they, do, they offer loads of profiles for every paper that they print on. And another thing to be uh, concerned about is if in the thickness difference of the plexiglass, uh, the thicker one's a little darker, right? It's a little, little going through a little more material. So yeah. if you are printing on that, it, it's pretty clear in these samples. It won't show in the video here, but um, it's it's something else to consider if you are going to go through that. And I think that they are wise enough to know that. If you're ordering on the quarter-inch plexi, that they'll, they'll probably boost your file a tiny bit just to compensate for that. Love it. And there, that is White Wall. You, the URL is US dot mm -hmm. whitewall.com I, I assume that's the US language one right so yes it is yeah yeah yeah, US so you, yeah, yeah you can start there if your if your language your native language isn't is in English then uh, I'm sure they have translations on the site right yep you actually call them they have a, a phone number which is only available in the United States from 7 a.m. till noon <laughs> um, <laughs> but I called them and asked a few questions today and um, the guy was very helpful and um, gave me an email address to ask my question to the right person and they responded right away. So they're, they're, they're definitely responsive, which is always important. Excellent. Great, great pick. Love it. Cool. Okay, let's, uh, let's wrap this show up. Uh, Joe, what's, uh, what's, what's next for you? What's on your docket? What do you have, uh, coming up in your world over the next couple of months or so? Um, well, it, it's so topsy turvy here that I'm not, uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, monitoring this situation, I was working on a series about the, 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 uh, the state's most incarcerated neighborhood here in Baltimore, mm -hmm. and everything got turned on its head. So uh, I'm just waiting to see uh, how the, the Freddie Gray thing pans out. I want to focus on this gray and black and white project. But before, uh, I wanted to get Martin's and uh, Jeffrey's uh, Instagrams because I'm really, I'm really going full bore into Instagram, and I wanted to exchange those before we – I'll use my time. Let's do it live. Let's do it live. Yeah. Martin, what's Martin, your Instagram? What's yours? Martin, mine is literally just uh, the whole the whole thing. Uh, Martin Bailey Photography. I I actually just changed it. I, I was doing MBPKK, which is my company initials. Yeah. So I wanted something short, but I I've just changed it for Martin Bailey Photography. Cool. So. Well, I'm I'm a JM Giordano Photo, and Jeffrey, what's yours? Joe, you, you'll be the first to know. Well, even more hardcore than me. <laughs> I uh, no, I've, I've thought long and hard about Instagram. I love it. I, I, I think it's great. Um, you're gonna get addicted, man. I'm telling you. Even for yeah. architecture, you're gonna get addicted <laughs> once you do it. I and honestly, I mean, I I really never had a, a situation like the like the protest where I mean, I I was doing it as much as I was shooting my, with my real camera, and got great instant responses on a lot of the photos that I took and. Mm -hmm. Once, once you really get into the groove, it's great. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I always, I always think I'm going to try it, and then I, I talk myself out of it for one reason or another. The only social media I'm really part of is Twitter, so which, which I like, and I yeah. kind of use it as people would use Instagram. I usually post photos there. So, well, I, I've been, I've been tweeting with your name, so people have that out there. Great. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. And mine is just Frederick Van. Uh, on, right, I think uh, I already follow you, Frederick. Yep. Yep. Cool. Awesome. All right, Martin. What's going on with you, man? What's coming up? Any any interesting workshops or fun? Yeah, 
Yeah, I've um, in on the 16th and 17th this month. I've I'm doing a a pixels to pigment. So the the print, printing from creating the pixels right through to, to printing. I'm doing a, a weekend workshop here in this studio. Um, so it's only up for up to three or four people. Um, got a couple of places left on that. Uh, and then I'm I'm just really looking forward to got Namibia coming up in August and Iceland in in September. And they're just you know they they're going to be highlights of the year as well. So I'm really looking forward to getting started on those. Love it. Now you've been doing workshops for how many years now? Um, the, the first one, I mean, my main workshop is the, is my Japan winter wonderland. What I call them the winter wonderland workshops with the snow um, monkey and I've been, yeah, snow monkeys. And then there's, uh, there's the, the Japanese wildlife up in Hokkaido. Um, and from this year I've, I've reinstated, I used to do a, a, a landscape leg, but from this year I did, uh, with David Dushman, I, I did a 12 day landscape only Hokkaido tour and that's uh, that's now that's almost sold out for next year as well but we've got a, a number of places left on that um, so I'm doing the wildlife on one 12 well two 12 day tours and then the, the landscape for another 12 day tours uh, before that but the first the first Hokkaido the first tour slash workshop that I did was in 2008 so wow. I mean if you if you count 2008, I'm in my eighth year on on the workshops now. So yeah, and they, thanks to that, they 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 run really smoothly. You know, we I work with ground staff that um, it's it's all my direction and I I choose where we go and everything. And but I I have people run the logistics in the background, and so it's just it all just disappears and people don't notice any Love glitches it. in the matrix. Love it. Cool, man. Well, congratulations on those, and we'll link to all three of those workshops on the in the notes for this episode. All Thank right, you. Jeffrey, what's uh what's coming up for you, man? Well, it's uh it's getting to be a busy season for me. Uh, the winter months are always a little bit slow, and uh, so looking forward to a uh, to a uh, busy season this year. Usually, you know, spring through through Thanksgiving usually usually the busy time. So, gearing up for that, got uh, four. You know, just jumped right in. Had like four or five shoots this week, which is a good way to kick off the month. And um, and I have a couple of uh, fun locations going to Las Vegas uh, for one client uh, in July, I think, and then um, another client's threatening to send me to Hawaii, so that would be fun. Oh, uh, Hawaii! Yeah, I haven't been there before, so that could, that could be cool. So uh, when will you be there potentially in Hawaii? Uh, I think that one's in September. Ah, I'll be there in July. I'm just gonna miss you oh, really? that much. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good moves. I'll let you know. Yeah. yeah so, I'll leave uh, a note on a palm tree for you. <laughs> yeah, cool, so, uh, so just looking forward to getting busy, that's all. Excellent. Well, thanks, guys, all of you for coming on. I appreciate it. You guys all have lots going on. It's so interesting doing this show because, like, this this is a classic show. Like I said at the top of the show that, you know, one of the reasons that we do TWIP and continue to do it is for shows like this and the ability for TWIP to bring a an award-winning, on-the-trenches photojournalist into the mix with a professional architectural photographer with Martin Bailey who's leading these crazy workshops and insanely talented on a number of fronts including writing and educating all that stuff all on one show to tackle these topics is I think that is the magic of TWIP so thank you guys for coming show, by the way Frederick this is just like you guys are awesome this is a great I got so much out of Martin's printing thing I was I was genuinely interested I was like wow this is great you know I'm, I'm not a gadget guy but printing is is great and it was just a really good, really good show. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, no, thank you. And you be you, dude. Be careful. 
You know, I don't want to see any more Instagram videos of, <laughs> you know, any of that WWF stuff going on. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, though, man, I got, like, mad cred now with a lot of the gang members down there because they all saw that video of me. <laughs> you the one got beat up by the cops, right? I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, well, good, good. Well, don't get any more cred. How about that? Just, you know, we need you, we need you for future episodes of TWIP. That's cool. All right, guys. That's uh, we're at the end of another episode. I want to thank our sponsors, FreshBooks, Animoto, and Linda, for their support of this week in photo. Without them, the show would not be possible in any way. And be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com and also sign up for our Facebook group. We've created a short link for that. You can just go to thisweekinphoto.com slash Facebook and that will take you right to our Facebook group. So join that and interact with us there. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.